Insiders, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be. This is your host, Bruce Ash, and my co-host, Ed Wilkinson, coming to you live from the luxurious KVOI broadcast complex in Tucson, welcoming you to a special edition of Inside Track. Producer Tom also joins us running the board and taking your calls. If you have a comment or question during today's show, you can reach us at the Wilkinson Wealth Management live line at 520-790-2040. It's great to be back in Tucson full-time once more. When I went out to get our dog Sparky from her kennel at about 7 a.m., the air was brisk and our garden was very happy from the nearly one inch of rain we received late yesterday afternoon. And, Eb, it's fabulous to see you. You look fit as as ever. And, uh, and you, you look, look relaxed as ever. You got, you've got your brand-new Wilkinson Wealth Management logo on your on your cool-looking Carhartt shirt. Absolutely. Man, you are, you are ready to go, brother. All right. Well, Bruce, it is so good to have you back here instead of doing it over the uh, airways. Uh, it lacks a certain personal touch when you're not across the table. And while we're waiting for uh, Eric to call in, can I make one uh, point of... Uh, you can. Okay, good. Last week, you asked me a question about the economy and what we need to do to get things working again. And I failed to mention one of the most important things. Well, there's two things. Number one, let's start drilling again. We need to become energy independent once again, as Trump showed that we can do it. Okay, and number two... We need to defeat the Democrats this November. Right. I mean, it's vital that we do that. Because they're going to, if they get in, in control of both houses, uh, there's going to be hell to pay. Why don't you go ahead and talk about our great sponsors? Okay. Well, first of all, we've got Tucson Iron and Metal Retail. I keep calling it surplus. I don't know why. Jamie tells me her inventory is full of good uh, stuff, all sorts of new product, but demand is so high that if you want to start a project, this time is now that you need to do it. Call her or Craig at 209-1576. Also, Corazon Cabinets. Cabinets you will love at a price you can really afford. Joy and Ellie are doing some really interesting projects right now, getting ready for the holidays, which are right around the corner. Kitchens, baths, and some very cool built-ins. Forget about the big box stores. Call Corazon Monday at 488-2266. To get started on your next home or office improvement. And of course, we've got Eric Rudin from Essential Pest Control. His number is 886-3029. For help to defend your home from bugs, vermin, and weeds. Bruce and I believe in his essential team of professionals. And Bruce, I've got to get him to my yard. It's a disaster. With? With, with all sorts of weeds. Uh, well, Buffle grass, is, it's incredible. Well, Appar apparently the blowtorch doesn't work. Well, he, he's Eric's going to join us here in a few minutes to do kind of a uh, an Eric infomercial. Uh, he's probably just getting ready to dial in now. And um, I I missed an opportunity to do the pre-emergent this fall. I thought I had it in my calendar, and it wasn't. Anyway, uh, Eric's going to tell us all about it in just a few minutes. Also supporting Inside Track is the aforementioned Mr. Eb Wilkinson from Wilkinson Wealth Management. Tired of lame financial advice, Eb is committed to help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Our friend Eb makes a difference for each of his clients, even in challenging times. Let him help you. 
All of our sponsors are locally owned, family-run businesses you can depend upon. Eb and I do, so should you. And just to remind you again, we welcome your calls today on the Tucson Iron and Metal, whoops, on the Wilkinson Wealth Management <laughs> live line at 790. I'll share it with uh, Jamie. 2040. Uh, we have a great show for you today. Joining us in a little a while is candidate for Amphi School Board, uh, uh, um, <laughs> Mona Gibson. I can't read my own notes here. And uh, later, Onita Davis from Wreaths Across America calls in. Uh, we hope you'll stay tuned for the entire show. Um, we're expecting Eric. Is Eric on the line? All right. Eric Rudin is on the line from Essential Pest Control. Eric, how are you? Good, Bruce. And yourself? Great to hear your voice. Um, we couldn't get you into the studio today, but I am glad uh, that you're calling in. We need to hear. So it's October 1st. It's starting to get some chill in the morning. We Remarkably, we've still had a lot of precipitation. We got about an inch of rain last uh, night at our house, and it's been raining regularly. So as we go into the fall, because we're in fall also, what are the sorts yep. of things that we need to be aware of not just at our home, but also our businesses to make sure that we're protected from bugs and, and vermin and weeds and all those kinds of things that your company does a great job taking care of. Well, as soon as the rains end up slowing down like they are and the temperatures come down and the soil temperatures come down, uh, it's really our Super Bowl because uh, not only the bugs get active, but it's uh, termite season. Oh, that's and, that's great uh, news. Oh, great. <laughs> Pretty great for everybody. God, I feel so good right companies. now. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the pest control companies are all getting very, very busy right now, uh, slammed with appointments. But, uh, you know, everybody with their termite warranties and their contracts and then new business, um, they're going to start seeing those little mud trails, those tubes that come up on the outside of the home. Uh, sometimes they even see them drop down through the ceiling, which are exploratory tubes, termites looking for things to eat. And uh, we just get really busy this time of year. Um, most people don't realize it, but uh, our busiest month of the year is actually October. Wow. And I bet a lot of people wouldn't uh, guess that. So what kind of termites do we have? Do, I, I, mean, I know we have the subterranean. Do we ever get flying termites uh, here in Tucson, southern Arizona? Yeah, we, we have a couple different variety of termites. I don't want to get too technical for you, but uh, the most common, the desert subterranean or heterothermies, is what people associate with the tubes that are built. The flying termites, um, that could be a variety of species. That's basically the mating process of termites. So kings and queens, uh, also known as alates, they come out with the moisture and they start reproducing and they pair up and they'll burrow back into the soil and start a colony. So um, the flying termites aren't the ones that are necessarily attacking your house, except for when it comes to drywood termites. Um, they will get into an exposed beam, uh, and they'll actually set up the colony actually in the house. They're much smaller um, as far as colony size, but they can be quite destructive too. And then we have a third termite, which is methamatermes, uh, which are fairly harmless, but we'll get calls uh, because they'll start packing 
uh, mud on the side of like a palm tree or they'll be eating grass in the yard. They're fairly harmless. They're just kind of a desert housekeeper. But uh, right now, the big story is the heterothermies, the subterranean termites invading structures. Mm. That's what people are going to see right now. So let's talk weeds. Yes. Um, hey, as uh, you, Eric, this is Eb. I really need your help. I'm I'm jumping in, Bruce, because unlike your house... It's a May Day for Eb. It, it is a disaster, and, and apparently the uh, blowtorch doesn't work as well as I'd like it. I've got yep. major buffalo grass all around. What can you guys do to help me, yeah. and when can you get there? Yeah, well, we could probably... Well, I shouldn't say when. Uh, we could probably get there in a week, and I know that's not an answer you want to hear, but that's how busy we get this time of year. It's better than two but, weeks. Uh, it's better than two weeks. Uh, but in three weeks, it will probably be two weeks. Um, but buffalo grass is very difficult to control. The Ag Department has been trying to do that for years with a variety of programs. Um, usually, uh, the best treatment is with the glyphosate material, which is basically a version of Roundup. Um, basically to translate and get into the roots. But it takes multiple treatments. It's very difficult to get rid of. Um, but we've had success doing it uh, in the short term. Uh, just realizes an invasive species that can come back. Um, as far as lots of weeds in the yard, you know, some people are a little behind the ball because uh, doing the pre-emergent is something you want to do before the rain, and the rain can soak that pre-emergent in. So basically all that we would be doing at this point is reacting to the weeds and using a contact to kill what's there. And then hopefully people remember to do their pre-emergence in uh, December and January when they get that winter rain uh, so that they're protected for the fall. Uh, am I, am I better off waiting? you got to be proactive. Yeah, am I better off so waiting I, for you to do the uh, the roundup, or am I better off pulling the weeds and then have you do something? Yeah, you're probably better off at this point um, pulling and then starting with the fresh pre-emergence when you get into that point. But buffalo grass is one of those things that it, it's tough to pull because all the rhizomes and stolons uh, from all the grass parts that are beneath the soil, they'll just start back up again. And uh, that's why uh, grasses like buffalo grass and Bermuda grass are so difficult to control is because you leave any of the plant part behind, it's going to start growing again. And, uh It's just a very evasive species. It's just um, we pull our hair out trying to take care of it. So homeowner doesn't know what they're doing. Uh, I feel really bad for them because that is a very tough species to deal with. So let's move to a discussion about uh, the type of insects that come when we've had the sort of rain, which continues here in Tucson, even, you know, through last night and looks like the clouds are building up uh, this afternoon, maybe for more rain uh, later. So uh, as you know, Eric, at our house, we've had a problem with um, gophers and, and, and rats and so on. Um, And your man has done a great job at our house. Um, but he, he said that the more rain we have, the more, uh, these guys come above ground and, and cause problems. Talk about that for a second and, and all the work that you guys do on vermin control for folks. Yeah, th- there's a symbiotic relationship kind of with the weather and pest activity. You know, when you get a lot of plant growth, you know, we see the weeds and we complain about those, but that's also 
food sources for insects and kind of the circle of life. So you're going to see a lot of activity that are coming uh, out. Uh, some of it's just nuisance pests, you know, like the mosquitoes and the flying insects and the reproductives uh, that make our life annoying. But then some of them will be like the rodents, and uh, they can be tough control. I will say that when it comes to rodent control, we are very good at it. Uh, we're one of the few companies, we have a gas X machine, it's uh, carbon monoxide that gets pumped into the ground. It's cool, um, man. It's really cool burrow. to watch those guys in it, action. Yeah, and it works. And we've done projects for the city. Uh, I don't know if there was a controversy, um, I think, about a year ago because one of the parks just had so many rodent holes and uh, the city was liable. And they ended up calling us and we came out there. And we knocked down that population by 98% within a matter of weeks. And we're talking an entire city park. And um, it is really good and very effective. Um, it's a little time-consuming. but uh, And then we'll also leave a bait material behind for anything that we ended up missing. Uh, and we'll bury it down into the burrow. But uh, we are very effective when it comes to bugs. How so, about pack rats? And rodents. Pack rats little bit different species. Um, generally, pack rats tend to be solitary. Uh, they tend to have uh, big dens that they make, and fortunately, they chew into people's wires and their cars. Um, my best recommendation is good landscaping practices around your house. If you can create a border around your house, let's say 50 feet or so, where all the plants are trimmed really high so that there's not a place for them to hide and you don't have places for them to encroach on your property, that should help out a lot. Um, and then if you do get pack rats, you know, we could simply, you know, put some trapping out uh, to help alleviate that problem. And even a long-term reoccurring program if, you know, you live in the desert. So I want to go back to the uh, to the pellets and, and the uh, materials that you guys use uh, because people have pets. They want to make sure that their pets don't uh, react to eating some of these pellets and so on and get sick. Um, talk, talk to me about um, how to protect your pets at the same time you're trying to get rid of the uh, rodents. Yeah, so the, the nice thing about the gas X machine is you're not worrying about leaving a rodenticide uh, behind for, uh, in, uh, for pets to get into. Uh, the second thing is that when we do use rodenticides, we are careful where we use them. Uh, the, usually it's more popular to use in areas that don't have pet access. But the other thing that people need to understand is with rodenticides, um, they are dose dependent. And what that means is basically the amount that you have to consume of the rodenticide is equivalent to the body weight of the animal. So if you're going to be, you know, killing a one ounce rodent, uh, that is very different than, let's say, a 25 pound dog. Um, we don't want to ever put the rodenticide in an area that the dog can access. But at the same time, if there was that extreme situation where that happens, uh, it is unlikely that there would be anything wrong to the dog at that point because we're not going to put a dose, a strong enough or equivalent enough amount of material that's going to endanger that pet. But you, you still have to use caution. I mean, that's kind of why you hire a professional because you do it yourself and you use too much material, you could put your pets at risk. Yeah, so, you know, really, I look at our house uh, and and the investment that we make with essential, you know, taking care of whether it's termites or bugs and, and vermin and what have you, as well as the weeds. You know, considering how much 
homes are worth today and the cost to replace things. I mean, this is, it's pennies to do this sort of work. It's and a rounding error. Yeah, it really is. I mean, yeah. uh, the, the it, work that you guys do is great. Supply chain issues. I mean, it, we've had situations where we need to get an automobile fixed, you know, for the fleet, and they can't find parts. So you get a pack rat that tears into your car and creates, you know, $2,000 worth of damage. Well, it's not just the damage. You may not be able to find a part for the car. Pool and, heaters. <laughs> so, Pool heaters, pumps, yeah. all the all the stuff around uh, around the backyard as well. Eric Rudin, Essential Pest Control. You guys are awesome. Five two zero eight eight six three zero two nine. Eb and I use them. Everybody listening to this show should use them as well. Don't go to the do-it-yourself stores. Don't go to the big box stores. Bring a professional in. All of the folks, uh, I trust them inside of our house. Uh, they are courteous. They are professional. They they come in dressed uh, neatly. Never seen anybody show up and not be anything but professional in every respect. Eric, you run a great shop. Thanks for being a sponsor on the show, and uh, thanks for doing everything you do to keep uh, keep us safe and our animals safe. I appreciate you guys having me, and I enjoy the show and appreciate the wonderful things you guys do for our community. You guys are true champions, and uh, I know your listeners know that. Uh, you help us do it. Thanks very much. Mr. Producer, let's go to our first break. You're listening to Inside Track on KVOI, Trusted News and Talk. We'll be right back with Amphi School Board candidate Mona Gibson. Stay tuned. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing, metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel to ranchers, artists, interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers, just like all of the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. Tucson Iron and Steel Retail, 701 East 36th Street. Call 520-209-1576 or go to tucsonironretail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? <sighs> no, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management reminding you that every good and excellent thing stands moment by moment on the razor's edge of danger and must be fought for, including getting out of debt, building your wealth, and protecting your God-given right. We manage money for gun owners. Let us help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me at 777-1911 or WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. All right. <laughs> Welcome back to Sidetrack. We're just chatting away. Are we on? <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, joining us for the next several minutes uh, is Mona Gibson. Mona has been a frequent guest and is running for 
Amphi School Board. Eb and I have decided to spotlight school board candidates in this election because education issues are so important. And since these school board elections are way down ticket, they've they've traditionally been underemphasized, underreported. Uh, but because of all the serious problems within the educational community and the and the consequences we face with our kids being indoctrinated, not educated, we are doing our best. You know, we're just one little show, uh, but we want to make sure, particularly in the Amphi and in the Catalina Foothill School District, you all have a chance to hear from these candidates. So welcome, Mona. Thank you. A uh, little show with wide reach. Yeah, thank you. And <laughs> thanks for the honey cake. Absolutely. Uh, I, I love honey cake. Don't tell my doctor. Uh, you're running for Amphi School Board. We'll get to the issues in just a second. But your professional qualifications and your volunteer experiences, I think, are really important. You've had real-life experience dealing with contracts, with budgets, and major operations. Remind our audience what about your experience makes you a special asset to this Amphi School Board if you're elected. You betcha. Thank you so much, Bruce. So um, I worked at Pima County in human resources uh, doing employment rights and then later on benefits administration. So I worked with um, in employment rights dealing with rules and policies through the um, benefits manager. Uh, I worked with contracts, did RFPs for the health, you know, for all of Pima County. When I went over to Tucson Unified School District for almost seven years, um, I worked also as benefits manager, being responsible for $40 million worth of contracts. So that was health, dental, um, life, uh, 403, 457 TPAs, and third-party administrators. So I did all that. So contracts are very important in understanding how to monitor those, but it's the relationships that you build with the vendors that's extremely important. So, um, you know, for instance, if I'm really slow in responding in emails to some vendors, they may not have the greatest impression of me, but if I'm very quick and the next time I'm in a in a um, mess because I have an employee who needs a prescription and we can't figure out why isn't she getting that prescription. And these are like everyday types of issues that come up. I can call up the vendor and say, hey, can you look at that for me? Whereas if I wasn't, if I hadn't built that relationship with the vendors and with all the people that I'm working with, it would have made a difference. So contracts and understanding of contracts, but it's the human side of the relationships with the contracts that's really important. And my volunteer work, uh, the majority of it was at my synagogue where I was on the board and then also president. And we had a $2 million budget, so there were always budget concerns, but there was also personnel issues. So again, dealing with people, building relationships, developing, you know, understanding the rules and policies and working within the guidelines is of extreme importance. And I think by an asset to the school board would have that ability to understand the budget, read a budget, uh, be able to ask the questions, where is the money being spent, what's not being spent, is it being spent appropriately, but also building up the relationships, developing the relationships with the staff and the employees to make sure that we understand all the issues. And knowing where all the bodies are buried. I do know those. That's how I got added to USD. <laughs> so, um... All right. So, <laughs> This was your QM. Uh, oh, my mind was somewhere else. I'm sorry. I'm all right. So, so you're running. You're running for Amphi School Board along with Jeff Uch. Uh, he'll be on the show later this month. Tell our listeners how valuable it'll be 
for not just one of you, but for both of you to be elected to this board. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that you're going to have Jeff on because you'll see he's such a smart person. He understands the Constitution and he's so knowledgeable, but he's also a teacher and he's very patient. So where he has that patience, I also have that ability to go in and understand things and uh, get my hands dirty with the budgets and things like that and and knowing everybody who's in the room. So the two of us will work cooperatively together to really understand the issues that are going, what's the main issues that are facing the school district, and we're going to challenge the status quo. You know, we're not going to accept uh, this is the way it's been, and this is the way it's always been, so this is the way it should be. One good example is, and last month there was a presentation at one of the board meetings where they were talking about the proficiency on the English language arts, the ELA, the basic reading scores of state and an internal um, assessment that they use. And whether it was 45% or 59%, no one really asked the questions of, well, what? why is it so low? You know, it's like, okay, you have a program that you're implementing to address this. But no one asks us, like, how are we so low? It's like, okay, we may be one or two points above the state, but that's not acceptable. You know, and no one's asking those types of questions. So I think transparency uh, goes a long way in communication with the parents and with community members because everybody has a stakeholder in, in, this, in this education of our young kids. Because if they are not... Um, pr- uh, productive members of society, if they don't feel whole because they have a lacking in their education, we need to figure out what's going wrong and where it starts. It may be in the early education, K-3, it may be later on in the high school, but it'll be up to Jeff and I to really steer that conversation. So having a second when a motion's made for either you or Jeff is a is a key thing because if if you're alone on that board with with the others, okay, correct, who, you'll never get a second. You'll never get a second. Right. Well, currently the way the Amphi School Board operates is the superintendent has a proposal or uh, his report, and various people come up with their proposals and programs and information, and no one asks questions. The board is if they do vote, it's always five zero, and there's never any conversation or discussion transparently out there in the open. They may have had the conversations beforehand, before they walked in the room, and they may have said, okay, yeah, we're all going, we all agree with this, and it's all a great program, yada, yada. But we don't know that, and I think that's why Jeff and I will bring that out into the community at the actual board meetings when public is present to say, well, what are, what are, is this, you know, what's going on? Why are we having these issues? And to ask those questions and um, making a motion is definitely important. Good. So to that end, there's, there's two questions that I've got for you. We'll take them seriatim. I looked that word up and I actually knew what it meant. Wow. That's impressive. (laughs) I didn't before. Well done. So, so one of your opponents is a professional politician tied to numerous very liberal causes. Illiberal. Ill, illiberal causes. They're leftists. Well, leftists. Okay. I misspoke. Charles, <laughs> if you heard that, I apologize. He's got no real accomplishments during his tenure to speak of. You're not a professional politician. No. You are by no means in the uh, progressive camp. Did I get that right, Bruce? I, I like left, but... Leftist. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, basically... 
unlike the current members up for election, you actually believe in empowering the students, the parents, you know, and the great teachers. You want them to excel. So talk yes. to us about that. Yeah. So we all, uh, whatever side of the aisle you're on, I mean, this is theoretically a nonpartisan race. We, we all want the kids to succeed and we want them to be able to perform activities of daily living to contribute to society. But we have to take a step back and recognize that the policies that have been on going on for the past several years have not been supporting that. So we need to make a change. And I do believe, as you say, that a more conservative approach to the policies need to be reviewed, uh, need to be implemented, because if uh, what has been going on is not sufficient, has not been helpful, we need to figure out where we need to make these changes. Uh, we need to focus on academic achievement, uh, making sure that the teachers have the ability to teach the basics of education, reading, writing, arithmetic, uh, love of country, uh, that uh, a lot of the distractions that we currently have nowadays, whether it's social emotional learning, understanding your pronouns and things along those lines. What the heck is social emotional learning? Social emotional learning is uh, teaching kids to, uh, and, and goes from K through 12, so it starts with the very youngest child, to um, understand their emotions so that if they're in a situation, it's like, okay, this, you know, you can't be angry, you have to use your words, all that stuff. In the beginning when it first started, it sounded like a good idea, but because there's been so much focus on social emotional learning, SEL, um, in the schools, their studies are finding that there's been too much of a focus on that and not enough focus on academic achievement, learning to think critically and um, the things that really support a child in their future. So basically critical thinking versus critical race theory. Yes. We do not have Everything's enough critical. We but. do not have enough critical, critical thinking at all. Yes. And if you teach a child to think critically, then you can give them all types of information. You can show them how the America was founded, uh, the basics of all uh, things, the Constitution, you know, all the basics. And they can then decide what's important and how to learn. Give them all the information and let them and teach them to think critically. But a lot of the social emotional learning and a lot of the pronouns and a lot of those types of things are the purview of the parents. The parents are still the primary person, primary people who are responsible for the children. They can't give it up to the schools. So that brings me to my second question okay. of the seriatim, which I love that word. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> I'll look um, that one up. Are, are the parents welcome to these school board meetings, or mm -hmm. or does Amphi currently view them as domestic terrorists? I don't believe Amphi School District views them as domestic terrorists. And when we first started, uh, the beginning of last year, when all the parents were there with the concerns about the masks and the mask mandates and the lockdowns and things like that, the loss of learning, um, the School board wasn't uh, declaring them domestic terrorists, but were more dismissive and not paying attention to them. Nobody got responses when they asked questions. Uh, and they say, okay, you can't do that in the meeting. And I understand that, but at least if you had an email, you should have responded. You know, the superintendent should have responded. So they're basically have been active dismissively. So as as uh, getting back to critical, critical thinking, um, it, it would seem to me that if 
Uh, you know, Abel Franzi used to call the Pima County Board of Supervisors the Board of Onlookers mm-hmm. because Chuck Huckleberry would give him a memo and say, this is what we're going to talk about this week, and they would vote on it. And it was oftentimes uh, a three-to-two vote. The Democrats always voted one way. Uh, the Dem- the Republicans voted the other way. Um, but there wasn't a lot of critical thinking there. A 5-0 vote tells me that they're just accepting what Superintendent Yeager tells them to do, and there's not a lot of critical thinking. So it, it, it would it, it seems to me that it would be very difficult teaching critical thinking in the school when the school board itself doesn't have any kind of critical thinking either. Well, Jeff and I are going to change that. <laughs> we will have um, definitely the critical thinking. We won't accept what's just given to us, um, you know, just on the surface. We will do our homework. We are not lazy by any means. And, you know, we'll, we'll investigate. We'll ask questions. We'll bring our curiosity with us that the current board just doesn't show their curiosity. So um, I heard somebody say recently, and it may, it may have even been on this show, I can't remember for sure, but this person who, who's very interested in education uh, said, we're interested in their, in their heads in making sure that their brains are being focused on, not in between their legs. Um, that may be a little crude to think or to say, mm-hmm. but... How do, how do you get the mindset back to that critical thinking and back to um, the the sorts of things that need that that students need and society needs for this upcoming generation? This is a tough generation to be part of. I think. Yes, there are, there are a lot of distractions. Everybody has their cell phone, and you know they get access to information that I would blush at. You know, I mean, I that I wouldn't even know existed. So. It's a matter of um, putting the money into the classroom, not just teacher compensation, because everyone says, oh, teachers should be paid more. Yes, okay, get it, they should be paid more. But it's it's not just a compensation, it's a support. Making sure that the teachers have the support to be able to focus on teaching what they teach. And keep their classrooms under control, maybe. And, and the supplies. The, it's the supplies. I can um, tell you right now, our Rotary Club just donated a lot of supplies to Amphi. And it's amazing what the teachers do not have that they're expected yes. to pay out of their own pocket. Right. It's quite frankly disgusting. Um, you also have mechanics who go on the job and they have to buy all of their tools. So, you know, granted, it, compensation is definitely part of it. It's support. But it's also that emotional support. With that social-emotional learning, we're expecting our teachers to be counselors and to handle all these types of things when they should be focused on teaching teaching the basics of education. We need to have more counselors and more people who are um, uh, have expertise in those areas and focusing on those types of things, freeing up the teacher to be able to teach. So when you have as many administrative staff members, mm. lots of them former teachers who couldn't wait to get out of the classroom to be then later pointing their fingers at teachers, telling them what to do and how to do it, um, how much of an influence has this current board had on, if not reducing, at least stabilizing and, and, and lessening the increased sort of dependence upon all of these administrators? And, and how, do you, how do you turn that course in a way that 
gives more money because there's there there there'd be money freed up, not having to pay you know eighteen administrators for every thirteen teachers. How do you how do you make those changes? It's uh, really looking at the budget, developing the relationships with the people who are there. Uh, to understand what needs to be done, talking with the teachers, talking with the principals. I think the principals are the leaders of their school, so they need to have the authority to make the decisions of what's best in their school. Um, It's very easy to have mission creep and to start with, okay, we're teaching academics, um, but we also need to look at these things, and we need to improve that, and we need to go into other stuff. And all of a sudden you have... Now added layers of bureaucracy because a program. And some of that's the United States government. Some of that's the state. That's true too, right? Uh, but the the bureaucracy just starts feeding on itself, and we have to again look at what is the primary mission of the school district is to teach basic academics. If that's what our mission is, then what are the programs and projects that have become, you know, the favorites and the darlings of some people, but maybe they're not really focusing on the mission, and that just needs to be reviewed. And if the mission is to teach basic academics, anything that doesn't have to do with that mission should be eliminated. It's very possible. Especially if it pulls from that mission. If it, if, if it takes away tracks. from that mission, I should I should rephrase yes. it. If it takes away from that mission, it should be pulled. There there may be a, a reason for it, and it may be because it supports the mission, and that would be fine. But if it's not supporting the mission, and again, all this needs to be reviewed because I think over the years, if our academics are um, decreasing and they're not improving and we're not doing the best we can for each and every child in the school district, then we need to figure out what it is and where it is. And right now, because I'm on the outside, I'm a community member. I'm not a staff person. I'm not a parent anymore. I can't get into the library. I don't know what's there. I have some relationships with some of the principals, but not to say, hey, can I sit in and see what's going on? You're going to be like the the, the person who is drinking from a fire hose uh, when, you, when you take when you take office. Well, one okay. qu- one quick question because we're we're running up on a thing, and okay. I, I'm asking a three minute question that's gonna that that's only gonna get about a thirty second answer. Got it. Um, vocational education has Amphi been doing enough in this area? And uh, if not, would you and Jeff uh, be interested in there being greater emphasis on vocational education? Vocational education is very important because not everybody's made to go to college and it's assumed it's like, oh, if you're not going to college, you're nothing. That's absolutely ridiculous. Vocational um, is, uh, education is very important. Mona Gibson, thanks for the chat. Vote for Mona Gibson. Vote for Jeff Uch. The kids and teachers need leaders like them. www.monaforamphi.com. That's Mona, the word for amphi.com. Thanks very much for joining us. Oh, oh, October 10th, there's going to be a big shindig at St. Philip's Plaza. You'll bet you'll get to spend time with your candidates. Uh, Jeff and Mona will be there. Uh, the Catalina Foothills crowd, Vail uh, crowd, the Marana crowd, Sarita crowd, and TUSD Val Romero. Uh, go there, talk to the talk to the folks. Uh, and um, Mona, October best, 10th, 6 p.m. at St. Philip's Plaza. 
Mr. Producer, let's go ahead and take our final break for some messages from our show supporters. You're listening to Inside Track on KVOI, Trusted News and Talk. We'll be right back, I promise. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the the cities and counties around have initiatives for artists. I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrapyard across the street. It's seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want. It's always interesting to see what the artists have done. We've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together. They had to pick something out of the scrap and uh, they had to build an instrument. And we have one of those in front of the plant. Some really cool things come out of the scrap. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard. 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? (sighs) No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you think what's happening in Ukraine can't happen here, think again. Look who's occupying the White House. This is one of many things our forefathers predicted and ensured those rights in our Constitution. We manage money for gun owners. Call me at 777-1911 or WilkinsonWealthMGMT.com. Welcome back to Inside Track. Our community has joined together for many years now to lay a holiday wreath at the graves of American veterans to honor their service and remind all of us of the sacrifice they gave for this country. Wreaths Across America helps us remember veterans all across the country with some of the most beautiful, fresh wreaths out of American forests. Our show's founder, Emil Franzi, was a supporter of Wreaths Across America. So are Bruce and I. This show was supporting wreaths before anyone else on local radio got involved. And with everything going on in the world, this is a cause we do just because, just because, you know, we want to remember our veterans. Like Bike in a Box, this is a good thing to do. Onita Davis is a friend of the show and a community leader with whom we greatly admire. She's had success laying wreaths across America fundraising here in southern Arizona for a few years now. And she joins us for our first visit before the upcoming Christmas holidays. Welcome, Anita. How are you? Hello there, Bruce. How are you? That was Ab. It's it's Ab. I'm, but, but oh, it's Ab. Hi, Ab. <laughs> hey, Anita. How are you? Hey, tell us about the plans for this year. Okay. Well, you took a lot of my first comments away with your beautiful introduction, and I know this is a tough year for people economically. But I just wanted to share with everyone the importance of wreaths across America. Right now, we need something to make us feel good about being American. Great point. And wreaths across America is a wonderful way to do that for only $15. 
Um, we are still aligned with the Marana, uh, Arizona State Veterans Memorial Cemetery, but of course, American Legion Auxiliary or Valley supports all of the local cemeteries, so uh, wreaths may be placed through us at any of our local cemeteries. Uh, the date this year is December 17th at all the cemeteries here in Tucson at 10 a.m. And, of course, you know, we have a brief half-hour ceremony and then the solemn duty and the fun of placing wreaths uh, on veterans' graves. Um, Ab, I do want to remind those of your listeners who are Jewish by faith that if they choose to participate in Wreaths Across America, by having a wreath laid at a relative's grave, they must let their cemetery know. How interesting. Okay, to give us permission. This is not a Christmas wreath. Wreaths Across America is not political. It's not uh, any specific religious affiliation. It is about honoring those who have served our country, no matter what walk of life they may have trod. And so I really want to encourage people uh, to participate. Um, One good news, Eb, that I can share with you is that last year we placed 1,900 wreaths at the Marana Cemetery. Wow. Yes. We, uh, that was our goal. We met our goal, and in fact, we exceeded our goal by a little over 200 wreaths, which we donated to other local cemeteries where better veterans are buried. So wreaths do not go to waste. If we exceed our goal, we share them with Evergreen and other cemeteries in the area. What's your goal for this year? Well, 2,500 wreaths. Now, there is good news in that, in that the program is growing in this area. The bad news is, of course, that means we've lost a lot of veterans this year. So 2,500 wreaths is our goal. The deadline this year is November 28th. So we ask people to keep that in mind. If they would like to contribute a wreath through our program, our identifier is AZ for Arizona, 0011P as in Paul. So you can go on wreathsacrossamerica.org. AZ 0011P as in Paul. And, and how much does it... In what denominations can these gifts be made? Any denomination. If you give ten dollars, it'll be added onto the balance, to the total, sure. and maybe somebody else will donate five dollars. So right. if it's six point seven wreaths, we'll get they'll push the number up to seven. So well, how much no are the limit, wreaths? Fifteen dollars. And and so Anita, tell tell the listeners. Um, when when they make these gifts, um, how, you know, so it's fifteen dollars per per wreath. Twenty five hundred is is the number of wreaths that you were shooting for. Okay, 
Um, and again, it's AZ0011P as in Papa. And if they go yeah. there online, they can they can find out how to make the gift here locally, correct? All they have to do is click on the red button that says Sponsor a Wreath, and it will take them to the web page that allows them to uh, designate the cemetery. If they don't want to give to Marana, they want to give to Evergreen. There's a drop-down box. They just select Evergreen and make their donation using a credit card or debit card. Great. So, so they can pay by credit card or mm-hmm. debit card. Uh, checks also or not? Checks. If you're doing checks, you can go to our website, which will give you our mailing address. And simply Google American Legion Auxiliary or a Valley. So, and that's a and that's an important thing to 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 uh, recognize here. So, you're doing this work for wreaths across America uh, through your involvement with the American Legion Auxiliary, correct? And exactly. and you're and you're you're a big deal there too. <laughs> well, no about that. But um, in order to be a sponsor of wreaths like American Legion Auxiliary or Valley, you have to be a charitable organization, and you have to go through Reese Across America to get an ID so that they know that you're legitimate, that you're collecting money right. on their behalf, and that that money will be forwarded to them to provide Reese for our veterans. So you have a lot of different ways to do that. Um, I will give my telephone number if anyone wants to call me with questions. Why don't you go, Absolutely. And, why don't you go and do that? 520 Two two nine one zero six four. 129 Onita, so this is in southern Arizona. Is there similar things going on, say, up in Phoenix or northern Arizona? Talk about this on a national basis. How many wreaths expected? I am so glad you asked that. <laughs> yeah. You're a great straight man. Well we've, well, we've done this a few times, so I... <laughs> Nationwide, last year we placed... 2.4 million wreaths. And in Arizona, of the 115 groups or cemeteries that have wreaths, our group placed number six. Wow. So in terms of sponsorship, we're number six in the state. We are one of the few Morana was one of only three cemeteries that was 100% covered. And so we're very proud of that. And we could not do that without your help, Ed and Bruce, and, and your listeners. So we are very proud. Now, overall, um, total Arizona wreaths, 38,565 placed at 52 locations. Well, you need to raise, I just ran the numbers, you need $37,500 in order for this to work. (laughs) So we need lots of donations, and I know this is really tough for everyone, and I know everyone is asking, all the charitable organizations are, of course, really hurting with donations this year because of the economy. But uh, we would ask that people remember... I have one quote that I'll do, and then I'll shut up, and you can. I'll believe that when I hear, when I don't hear you. <laughs> but go ahead. I'm all I'm all ears. 
Okay, this is from Pierre Clisson. To be killed in war is not the worst that can happen. To be lost is not the worst that can happen. To be forgotten is the worst. And so our pledge as American Legion Auxiliary is that we will never forget our veterans. Mm. And we are asking your, your listeners to partner with us in this. Right now, Marana is at 50% of its goal. Wow. So we need 1,200 wreaths, everyone. Well, you can count on me. You can count on Bruce. Oh, thank you. Onita Davis, Wreath Across America. Let's all support this year's fundraising to lay a wreath at the gravesite for our veterans. And this is for, for everybody. So even even Jewish veterans as well, like my father-in-law at, uh, at uh, Evergreen. Onita, you're getting my check for $180. In Hebrew, oh, the number 18 denotes life. That's right. We're, we're remembering the courageous lives of our veterans. I'm giving times 10. Thanks again. Insiders, join us next week. We already have a great show planned for you. We'll be talking about the propositions, talking to Amber Russo about why we should vote no on 209, and visiting uh, Senator uh, Vince Leach, talking to him about various stuff. Again, the information uh, for Reese Across America, az 0 one one P is in Papa. Uh, you can call Onita at five two zero two two nine one zero six four. She actually takes your calls. She's <laughs> quite. She is quite a remarkable young lady. Well, and I, I, I wish. I wish everybody had her energy and her. Uh, and her passion. And, and Onita, you're going to get my check as well, and I can't let Bruce show me up, so I will match <laughs> Bruce's check. Oh, thank and you, thank you, thank you. You are welcome. You are such a delight. What you do is so important. Coming as a Marine vet, I know it's important. Coming from a whole family history of vets, I know it's important. Yeah. And thanks for joining us. And uh, we hate to do this. We're up against the clock. So no, no ju- problem. Great. And go Mona and go Jeff. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Our show's broadcast <laughs> podcast both on the KVI website and on Apple Podcasts. All of our Inside Tracks episodes are there. Until next week for Inside Track, this is Eb Wilkinson and Bruce Ash. We'll see you again in 167 hours. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. What other kind of customers do you have? So our biggest customers are actually like ranchers and people from outside of the Tucson area. They're buying a lot of square tubing. They're buying a lot of stuff for their ranch to close off fences. We'll sell anything from 10 feet to 10,000 feet to somebody that comes in because we have new steel and surplus steel from steel mills. The reason we're able to get such good pricing on some of this stuff is A, we sell scrap to the mill. So... Uh, we have a relationship there and then we can buy material what they're making bringing it back and so we save on freight and we have relationships for years with them so i think that's really our niche market we'll sell whatever you need tucson iron and metal surplus call 209-1579 stop by the yard 701 east 36th street open monday through saturday this is eb wilkinson of wilkinson wealth management Are you letting rising inflation interfere with your ammo budget? Don't do that. Let us show you how to buy the same goods and services 20 years from now as you can today. We manage money for gun owners and we can guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911. 
or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com.